Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadef. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. Hello, good evening, good morning, grand rising. <laughs> yeah, whatever time it is, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to hear from you. We're happy to, that you've joined us. Welcome, welcome to my show. This is Success, Success Strategies with Jana. And today we're be, going to be talking about holiday horrors with my lovely guests, <laughs> three black moms. This is Jana, author of Success Strategies for Black People and Affirmations for Parents, and host of the annual Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence. So welcome to my Success Strategies show on the Female Solution Worldwide Radio and TV Network. It's December, everybody, so happy December. And it's my birthday. And if it's your birthday, too, happy birthday. I'm here on the first Saturday of every month to help you find solutions and strategies for any problems or challenges you may be experiencing. We are here to help you make 2023 your best year yet, and we will be here to help you make 2024 your best year yet. 
If you have a question or comment for me or for any of my guests, please phone in on 515-605-9325. Outside of the U.S., the number is 001-515-605-9325. My guests today are three black moms, and I'm delighted that three black moms are going to be joining us today. And we're going to be talking about parenting problems during the holiday season and family issues, but primarily focusing on parenting, parenting difficulties, parenting challenges over the holidays, and how to address them. And I'm going to be asking them to address certain difficulties. And if you have a parenting problem or dilemma which you are facing over the holidays, please phone in. The number again is 515-605-9325. And if you're outside of the U.S., you need to put a 1 in front of the number. Or it might be 001 you need to put in front of the number. Anyway, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Three black moms, please introduce yourselves. Well, uh, we'll let the oldest go first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Let me make sure your mic is unmuted. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It okay. says mic is muted. Okay, yeah, we, we unmuted your mic. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, is it better for me to be on my phone or should I go to my screen? Well, you're, you're, you're fine for now. Uh, yes, we can see you well, so if that works, just go ahead. Okay, so I'm Barbara. And, uh, Welcome, Barbara. I'm- been born first. I was born January 1st, so oh, I know wow. that was my mother, and we opened the new year with me that yes. year. Yes. Wow. And so every year. I have been doing most recently has been baking and decorating gingerbread cookies. It's my one-year thing that I do, this tradition, the kids all like it. This year, the kids are probably the only ones that are going to be getting any. I've already shipped off my first box to Australia uh, since their gift. So uh, they'll be excited to be getting those. They bought a new house, and uh, they'll be moving in in about a week, and their gifts will be arriving at their new place. So we're going to be talking about holiday stress and how to deal with the holidays and how to get along with neighbors. Uh, I saw, let me, before Cheryl tells you about herself, I will tell you this joke that I heard. If you wanted to keep the stress level down uh, during Christmas, bring up politics at the Thanksgiving table. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, yes, yes. Absolutely, that's a that, that's a hot button. Yeah, so Cheryl, you're next. I'm Cheryl. Um, I'm Welcome, the Cheryl. mother of one who's 24, and it's funny when we talk about holiday stress, I, you know, my sisters and I, we've also talked about stress over the holidays on our show. Okay. And I would say that, you know, I have this pattern or I've had this pattern where, 
I do everything. We all wait to the last minute. Then I have to put up the tree, and then I have to do all the decorations, and then I fuss the whole time and say we're never going to do this again. And oh, so that's oh, the, yeah, the next year, same thing happens again, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was always the pattern. Finally, says, you know what? You can de-stress a lot of this. One, when I would go home, when I would go to my mother's, it was great because I would just throw a, pla- pra- a plastic wreath on the door and call it a day. And then I wouldn't mm-hmm. have to worry about decorating or anything because Christmas was going to be away. So that's right. one way. If you're not going to be at your house, don't decorate your house. You know, just, you know, don't go through all of this stuff. But we're going to be here this year. And right. I'm just finding that Letting a lot of things go reduces a lot of stress. Letting, instead of trying to make every holiday party, instead of, you know, uh, like I've, I've got a ton of Christmas cards. If I can get to them this weekend or over this week, that will be great. If it gets to be, you know, December 24th and you still haven't sent out your Christmas cards, let it go to next year. You know, it's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. I, and I think. We try to pull and put so much stuff on our plate and and try to do so much. So, yes. you know, at the end of the year when everything else, you know, semesters are, are ending and a lot of other things are ending and you've got to start thinking about getting your tax stuff together and then there's all the Christmas shopping and all of these things and we tend to do a lot of uh, stressing about things that either – can wait till after the new year. Thank you. You know, I agree with you, Cheryl, because, you know, I don't even get my Christmas cards out until after January, and I don't even stress about it because Mm -hmm. the most important thing was getting my packages out to my grandkids and to my family, and uh, if I got the packages out, then whatever else happened was fine. I actually had to figure out what parties am I going to go to, what uh, events am I going to attend, because obviously this weekend is pretty full because everybody wanted to get all of their stuff for Christmas the first weekend of December. And I said, okay, "Okay, well, I'm not going to that, and I'm not going to that. But I am going to go to that. Right, but you have to prioritize is what you're saying. Another time... I have two things happening in the same day. Uh, Like at this one, we have a dinner party at 5 o'clock that goes from 5 until it's an anniversary party for our pastor. But the same night is also cookie exchange night at my other church that we go to. And so I got my cookies ready. You have all of these things you have to do. Yeah, and so, but that's one day where we are having a busy day. And then two mm-hmm, weeks yeah. from now, I have a brunch in the morning and that evening, an evening party that we're going to. And uh, it's going to be a chorale and singing and candlelight carols and all that stuff. And those are things that are fun. I think you have to weigh out what is the most important during your celebration. Because yes, if you are. Yeah, absolutely. You have to prioritize, yeah? So, Naima, would you like to say something about Free Black Moms? The celebrating the holidays. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Sorry to cut you off. 
able to enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, enjoy your neighbors. Yes. You know, some things have become, as my kids have gotten older and moved out of the house, I'm, I'm the mother of three, and I have three grandkids, the stress yes. for me is less because I am a fan of getting everything done early. If you, because I want their things to arrive on, they live in other countries, and because I want their things to arrive on time, Thanksgiving, I'm sending their stuff out. Come December, I'm already done. And if That's I want wonderful. to do, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to stress about it. That sounds great. I'm, I'm just going to stop you there because I'd just like to ask Naima yes. to say a little bit of, so, yes. a little bit about three black moms because you're one of them. Yes, well, let me give you a little bit of feedback, and then you all have to kind of listen carefully because she's 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 from London and she's got a you know a little bit little bit of an accent, and uh, also <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure we can hear. <laughs> so you got to make sure you're listening to our, our host. Who, I can't uh, hear very well. Can you? Is there a way to? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, raise the volume so you can make sure you hear her. Uh, yes. So, Jana, um, and this is something that that we've talked about before. But now, I grew up I grew up Christian, which meant we you know celebrated all the holidays and the whole nine yards. But then mm-hmm. I became Muslim, and me and my husband married. And of course, he's Muslim as well. And we raised our daughter Muslim. <laughs> we were not celebrating Christmas. Mm-hmm, but we yeah. had to figure out how to be in harmony with the rest of our family who would definitely be offended if we did not give presents. And we had to go okay. through several different years of figuring out how to do this. You know, the years that we said, okay, we're not celebrating, we'll maybe come by for dinner and then we'll leave. And then people gave us presents and they were offended because we didn't, even though they knew that wasn't our holiday. Right. We said, okay, right. they're going to be angry. So how do we do this and not go through you know, the frenzy that everybody oh else wants yeah. for that one. You know, because we decided that's stress that we don't need, you know, um, yes. trying to figure out how to how to buy presents for everybody and then this one doesn't like the present and all of that. Just let it go. So we finally came to the conclusion we will get, you know, small gifts uh, for people, not expensive right. things, you know, something of our affection, but nothing is going to break the bank. And mm. if people have she didn't spend any money on my gift, well, okay, then if they're that ungrateful, then you know what, we're not giving you nothing next year. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> you don't have you to know, give us anything either, right? Because the whole thing is supposed to be about sharing love. So yes. we had to work out a thing, even with Thanksgiving, uh, and there's a whole historical thing about Thanksgiving here in America, which you probably aware of, Jana. You know the the yeah, slaughter of yeah, up there, yeah. And one year, my my husband was determined to make a speech about it at dinner, and I'm like, okay, can we just eat the turkey? Because I mean, you know, you want more people of, you know, this was uh, as a result of the the indigenous people and and those who came from Europe, and you know, they 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 took over the land and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. I, well, the thing know. is, I think it's important that we know but, that, but not necessarily to please. talk about it on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, because you know that this is a time where you're trying to get your family together, and we've got yeah. like Barbara mentioned, we've got family from everywhere, and you know, we've got all this, and you know, multicultural thing, and and so if we're going to gather for a, a 
well, we consider Thanksgiving not really a religious holiday. Okay, it's about giving thanks. We can do that. But let's yeah. not okay. make it political, like we were saying. You know, you bring up politics, and you change the whole spirit of things, because then you got this side arguing with that side, and what was supposed to be a happy family gathering ends up being an argument, people being angry, and the yeah, anger lasts the right. whole year. So but I think really the idea, what you were just and saying, just is that we were at Thanksgiving to a Christmas. You don't have to do it. I really hated um, Christmas yeah. when I was growing up, and I was still a Christian well, at that point. Um, and it seems a lot of conflicts in family Christmases and the holiday season stem from childhood in terms of reactions that go back many years. I hated family Christmases because I had so many difficult emotions, so much guilt, anger, resentment over expectations that were not met, and I felt very isolated. And we need to find different ways of coping that work for us. I mean, what worked for me was moving 10,000 miles away from my parents. Wow. That <laughs> really, really helped. Because, you know, I think the worst thing for me about Christmas is was the gift giving and the gift receiving. And it never seemed to be, the, you know, it doesn't matter how much effort I made, it still never seemed to be right somehow. Mm. There was always some kind of complaint or criticism. And then my mom would spend all day in the kitchen cooking. Now, to me, that's normal because that's what I grew up with. But I've just been reading recently that that's not a good thing. You should be spending your time with your children and your family on Thanksgiving or end on Christmas or, you know, any big holiday. And um, I suppose that includes Hanukkah as well. Um, but, yeah, to me, that was normal and natural. So when I got married or when I was living with my partner before we got married. Cooking for Christmas was a really big thing for me because that's what I grew up with, and I really enjoyed it. And he was complaining, you're spending all day in the kitchen, and I really didn't understand it. And every single year, we would always crash about something over Christmas, always. And so all of that has um, resulted in me being really, really happy that I'm a Buddhist, especially at Christmas time. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't have to do anything like that. I don't have to give presents. I don't have to receive presents. I don't have to do anything like that. So that well, works you know, for me. You were talking about when, when you go through this whole stress of, okay, I'm cooking for the family, and, and, and they don't appreciate it, and they're not helping me, and they really just want you to sit down and watch TV with them. They don't want all that. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we never figure that out because we grew up with seeing that happen, you know, that pattern. Exactly. We inherit that pattern, and then we might have a partner who inherited a completely different pattern, and so we're going to clash, right? So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you um, some details from this website, which is called Harley Therapy Limited. So Harley is H-A-R-L-E-Y. So Harley Therapy is all one word, harleytherapy.co.uk. It says, have a prop, number one, have a proper parenting discussion in advance. Number two, come up with an agreed stop word if you feel like you are getting close to an argument or an all-out conflict. Three, set the family Christmas budget in stone. Money and breaking the budget is one of the main causes of disagreement between parents this time of year. So handle it now. Leave a slight contingency for forgotten items and emergencies so it's realistic. But this is what I find really interesting um, is that 
a lot of people are saying very similar things. Make sure you plan in advance what you're going to do. Set your boundaries in advance and discuss what how you're going to be towards each other. So it says here, catch up. Catch your complaining and be a respectful parent this Christmas. Brush up on good communication. Try to avoid blame statements that begin with you did or said when talking to your children or partner, even if you are co-parenting at Christmas and don't get along. And ask good questions instead of making assumptions. So this is something very similar to what we do with nonviolent communication, which everybody knows I'm very passionate about. We try to avoid using blame statements, which is something that we call jackal speech. Instead of blaming ourselves or other people or each other or whatever, try to connect with feelings and needs. So here's my question. My question is this. What's the worst holiday experience you've had? I mean, I don't know. Was that the worst one, Naima, the one that you just shared about Thanksgiving? <laughs> What was your worst holiday experience? Wow. Ooh, anybody want to go back into some memories we tried to bury? (laughs) You know, I have to say, because we had uh, domestic issues in our household, some holidays were painful when Mm. there was drinking going on, uh, and then things escalated into volatile that made it really difficult without getting into a lot of detail. Some of those holidays could be painful when you think back on some of the issues that came up. It wasn't about whether you didn't get a certain toy or not. It was whether your family was going to be fine the next day after a blow-up. It was a lot of anxious. You know, there were sometimes, you know, and not all the time because we had many good memories, uh, but there was always this, not always, but there was sometimes there was this underlying tension of, if there was drinking involved and one, one parent, you know, in particular was drinking and was not mm-hmm. um, a and happy you, drunk. Okay? And, and your family was the only family in the world that had somebody drinking at Christmas time, there right? Was Nobody else did that. And there was that tension and just kind of like, yeah. okay, let's just, you know. Can we get through the day? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that that probably had – uh, a major impact on our family and our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. You know, we're, we're still in the process of working out how to describe these painful moments without yeah. disparaging our parents. But at the same time, we know every family goes through this. So we want this, we That's want this book to That's be. That's it. A lot of families are affected by alcohol. Yeah. So many because it's a holiday that is. You know, holidays like Christmas, New Year's, that whole period, it's celebrated by people drinking. And nobody thinks about the consequences of when they are not in their right mind. And some people have this Jekyll and Hyde thing where they're a lovely person when they're sober, but when they take a drink or two or three or four, they become that other person. And that affects everything. That really impl- impacted 
our choices in terms of, of spouses and had spouses that were not heavy drinkers or not drinkers at all because right. we didn't want to repeat that. And I think a lot of times children make those choices based either, either you repeat the pattern in your life or you go the opposite direction because you, yeah. you constantly don't want to repeat it. And I, and I must say I really admire what my older sister Barbara does. She made sure her children had happy memories every year. I mean, she, like she mentioned, you know, she goes the whole gamut, goes way out, you know, the stockings, the gifts, the cookies, you know, does all of these high-end kind of decorations and baking and the whole thing, but her children have happy memories. And that's really the foundation for your childhood, what you remember. Like you were saying, Jana, when you go back, when you look back at, at a Christmas memory and there's that pain, you don't want to yeah. repeat that. You almost don't, even, right. almost don't even want to celebrate because you know that that's what that means to you, you know, fighting yes, exactly. or stress or anger. So these things, they can scar us for life, you know. Yeah, yeah, they and, can, you know, and they do, and then sometimes we repeat the pattern. So, I mean, I'm just glad I don't have to celebrate Christmas anymore, but, but I'm finding nowadays that I'm really enjoying the pagan aspects, because there are a lot of pagan aspects to Christmas. But you see, when I was a child, when I was a young person growing up, one thing that used to really upset me was the commercialism, because I said, this is not to do with the birth of Christ. This is nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. Well, for me now, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't have a problem with that now, because I realize the traditions, a lot of the traditions that have been adopted around Christmas are actually pagan traditions, like giving and receiving gifts, eating and drinking and merrymaking decking the halls with boughs of holly. All those things are actually pagan practices which have been adopted by Christians. So I can enjoy those because they don't have religious significance for me. You see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. You know, once you learn the history of it, you know that's what it is, but then you still, like, if that if that's been a family tradition. And, and I remember the first year... Uh, the first year I, I became Muslim, and uh, I think I was still living at home, and I didn't put up the Christmas tree. And it was like my mother got so depressed. I'm like, oh, oh man, this is a shame. I got to do this for her because this really, this is special for her. So I ended up putting right. up the tree, and then my, my you know, Muslim friend, he was saying, you put up a Christian tree, and you're not taking And, you know, he went through the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, but what it means to my mother is more important in the history of it. So, you know, yeah. it makes it Right, right. And I had a Jewish friend who said, Christmas tree, it's a Hanukkah bush. That's right. Uh, yeah. People do say that. They talked about that on the Goldbergs. I don't know if you ever watched the Goldbergs, but the grandfather, he's a famous actor. I'm really sorry, but I just can't remember his name right now. But the mom decided she wanted to compete with the family across the street because they, they were Christians, and they had all these Christmas decorations, a Christmas meal, and what have you. So she said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a Hanukkah bush. Right, so she put up the Hanukkah bush, and her father was really angry and upset about it because he said, "Look, this is nothing to do with our tradition as Jews." Well, actually, it's it's a pagan tradition. But anyway, what happens at the end? The the tree the tree catches fire. Right? The tree actually burns oh. down, and they all end up oh. at a Chinese restaurant together, which apparently is a big thing among Jewish people. Going to a Chinese restaurant on Christmas Day. 
Oh, wow, because the tree burnt down. Oh, hmm. that's so sad. But, you know, and those are fire hazards. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, they are actually. If you don't, if you don't, you know, and, you know, we grew up with this culture of knowing how right, to do. stop trees from catching fire, but they didn't have that tradition because they were Jewish. So they put up the yeah. tree and they end up catching fire. But yeah, I mean, I'm imagining that was pretty traumatic. You know, in real life when it actually happened, I'm imagining it was traumatic for them because their mom was trying to be something other than Jewish. And that's not going to work with that family, you know. Um, yeah, so. you know, every year, every year there's some kind of house fire because people have lights connected to a tree, which is flammable, and the house burns down. So you know that their Christmas is forever going to be marred by the trauma of that fire. And it happens every year here. Somebody's house gets yeah, on fire. Yeah, terrible because if you leave the tree right. unattended, you're asking or for trouble. Really. An- mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. let me well, ask you this. Um, did, let's talk uh, about how to cope with family uh, conflict. In our household where we would do the uh, countdown where the kids could put up ornaments, where each little ornament had a story that was leading to oh, the birth. Nice. And then we also, my kids would do the thing of giving gifts to kids in the third world countries where okay. you could buy a lamb or, you know, a goat or a chicken or a cow. There would be money that they had saved up over the year to oh, nice. be able to help a family in a third world country to kind of give them more of an idea of what celebrating Christmas is about when you're talking right. about Jesus right. coming into the world dying for our sins, making us be reconciled to God the Father. Those kind of things help them to start to ingest that meaning in spite of some of the pagan things that have been brought into part of our celebration. Right, uh, right. I, well, I mean, me, I, I think that's really touching, you know, although me, I don't. I think it's away animals as gifts. But I approve the spirit of it. Yeah, yeah. with someone. Yes, yes, absolutely. We got to take a break. Uh, but when we come back, John, I think uh, you were mentioning a, a few things about dealing with, you know, memories of you know, all kinds of things that, that happen that you start to associate with those memories. Like Barbara was mentioning, somebody passed away. A lot of people are going through depression because. <laughs> Someone has passed away, and so yeah, yeah. a holiday is well, when you really... I wouldn't call really it depression personally. I would call it grief. And yeah. grief is a natural emotion, but because we don't experience it all the time, it can be very difficult to deal with. Yes. So we're going to talk about that more when we come back from this break. And yeah, if you're cool. listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak. We have our Saturday host, Jana live from London, and she's talking to three black moms about holiday horrors. We'll be right back, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back after this brief message, so stay with us. Hi, I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. 
we're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, we're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week, sharing our successes and our mistakes as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it all, race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to use corporal punishment to how do you teach your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, and if you're watching this, that means you're one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, People are using the Internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers. People are on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great news. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs, and our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, child care services, whatever you're selling, they need to buy it. We're your media connection. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. All right, we're back. Are we back? Okay. So I'm going to read something from this website called Counseling Directory on how to cope with family conflict at Christmas. And I would like all three of you to tell me tell me your thoughts about this, please. Um, why are family disagreements coming at Christmas? Pressure of expectations, history, roles, tiredness, rose-tinted memories, changing in fam- changes in family dynamics, and alcohol. So, you see, I mean, a lot of people, I think, are experiencing these exact same challenges. And it says, how to avoid family conflict. Talk in advance and set clear boundaries. Get support. Make time for yourself. Suggest a family walk and cool off. Now, let me ask you in particular, how do you feel about making time for yourself over the holidays? I think that is very important. I think uh, otherwise you are not going to 
enjoy your time with your family and your friends. I remember one year being at my sister-in-law's for the holidays, and she said, I hate Christmas. And and everybody was horrified that she said it so strong. But I burst out laughing because I knew what she meant. I knew that she meant she didn't like the stress, the worry, the, you know, she was, she said what she said to the kids, she says, and get out of the kitchen before I accidentally cut your fingers off. Oh. Uh. (laughs) Violence at Christmas is something we want to avoid, really, right, or or prevent. She had it. She she was done. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She was over Christmas at that point. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. No. You have to be yeah, able to make in that as a holiday. Yeah, doing all this you stuff. It's wonderful stuff, but it also can be feeling quite isolated. Well, so. Getting up sleep, going to bed early, even though, you know, it's, it's hard, and taking a day away where you don't do anything, like mm-hmm. and then do things. Yes. And, Johnny, you were saying something. Uh, what was that last statement you made, Johnny? Um, you know what? The way my <laughs> the way my my memory is at the moment, I, I say things and I pretty much instantly forget them. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but it'll probably come back to me at some point. Yeah, we we all do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's not just me. Oh. Okay, <laughs> I think it's just me, but that's probably wrong. Yeah. Someone said to me recently, write everything down, and I find that when I do that. It really helps. Yeah, you know, you it think does. That you're sure you're going to remember, but then you don't. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> then you forget where you wrote it down. But there's <laughs> also that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell me about when you um when you have not taken time for yourself, when you've not taken space for yourself. What's been the consequence of that? You know, I I recently got some feedback from my daughter. I I do this maniacal thing, probably like all three of us have done, because, you know, when when we were raising my daughter, Zakia, and Mm -hmm. a lot of times our house would be the place where family gathered and things like that. Right. Oh, at parties and things. I would be in constant motion um, I'm, I'm either serving people, making sure everybody's food was, you know. I mean, I didn't do, my husband did the cooking. And then after he cooked, you know, he relaxed and enjoyed the, the company. And I'm right. just constantly, I got to, you know, make sure everybody's served, uh, refill right. the drink, you know, it was always non-alcoholic drink. But, you know, um, just do, make sure, you know, the table's wiped off. I'm just in constant motion, got to keep checking the toilet because, you know, when you have, Guests that are both male and female, males forget to put the toilet seat down. So I have to. Sometimes they forget right. to flush the toilet. Yeah, that's the You're checking the bathroom. So I never actually sat down and enjoyed my guests. Mm-hmm. And my daughter mm-hmm. recently told me that this is, you know, she described all three of us what our maniacal thing was. Uh, okay. She said, Barbara, she's always going to have a long story to tell. I'm sure okay. always going to want to manage everything and make sure everybody's on point and doing what they're supposed to do. And you were always, you told me, you know, you were always in constant motion doing ten different things at once, and you never sit down with the family. And I'm like, ooh, because see, your, your children are the 
the the truest mirror to who you really are, and because they observe yeah. things. Yeah. I think I think what I realized is that I always felt like I had to. I don't know what that is. It's an obsessive thing, you know. I always have to just make sure that you I'm working. You want to make sure everyone else is okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That's, that's my therapist has told me about me is that I'm the caregiver. If you tell me you need a radio. Uh, the next day you will have a radio because I'm going to get off the phone and get on Amazon and get your radio. I'm the family fixer. So, yes, I do try to manage things because, um, and and so her her evaluation is valid. Um, uh, And and it is that, that sense of chaos. Trying to manage chaos. And it probably came from... Actually, the underlying, the underlying trauma of having lived through chaos. Yeah. So you try to keep it from happening. Right. And we're going to avoid it at all costs. Yes. yes. We, we all have our ways, Jana. We all have our ways of addressing the childhood trauma of our holidays and, and other right. family gatherings by our obsessive compulsive behavior. All of us yeah. have a thing we now do because of that. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so trying to manage things in order to manage the trauma. Therapy, which we all need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> therapy is very good. There is nothing wrong with being able to honestly face your fears, talk them out, and find healing from that. So, you know, healing comes in waves, and it takes years to get over different types of trauma. There are things that you don't yeah. even know exist until right. so you right. actually get someone to listen to you freely vent. And I mean yeah. freely vent, not try to have this wall up where you have to appear the perfect Super person right. to have everything together. Right. I mean, if you remember the movie, Why Did I Get Married? In the second, oh, oh. the perfect Patty she had been holding in that trauma that she had yeah. to face when she lost her child, yeah. and she just completely went berserk. Yeah. But that was a real thing. And the actress, you know, who played Patty, um, Janet Jackson. Michael Jackson's sister, yeah, Janet, Jackson. Said, Janet Jackson said what helped her to pull that role off was to remember the trauma that they went through as children and remembering the things that had happened to her brother. That's what right. helped her to effectively do that role. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very so, interesting because you know, it's not something I've really heard people from that family some... talk about a lot. We know some terrible things went on, but I don't, re- I don't remember hearing them talk about it very much. Do you? Well, no. You know, well, one of them wrote a book, and then the rest of the family attacked her for writing the book. Uh, which one mm-hmm. was it? Was it? Latoya? No, Latoya wrote a book. Latoya Jackson wrote a book, and the rest of the family attacked her for saying untrue things. But I'm sure everything she said was true. And it's always hard. And we we go through this. It was her truth. Yeah, it was her truth. But I do believe what she said. I do believe what she said, that her mother was her best friend, and the mother said to her, yes, it's true, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. 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 And that's and really what happens what in families, unfortunately. That's yeah. what can happen in a lot of families, is that everyone wants to keep this, I don't know, veneer 
some some kind of like image of themselves as a perfect family, and there is no perfect family. Right. So we can't. We still tend to keep trying to pretend that there is one. Right. And you know the 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 way the mass media portrays you know the holidays and joy and all of that. And if you know that your family is chaos and and stress and drinking yeah. and fights and all and this violence. <laughs> and then and you have violence to violence because that's what happened yeah, in the justice like that's not violence. Yeah. When when you when you know that that's not what the holidays mean to you because of what you experienced. And yeah. I, I I admire people who do autobiographical works and tell all. I mean, it's not it's not pleasant. Well, their for relatives the, are still alive. That's that's the challenge. Can you tell everything while your relatives are still alive? I, I recently, you know, one of one of my uh, editing clients who's become a you know like a daughter figure to me, I helped her edit her book. And she's telling some real serious, horrible stories of abuse. And her first mm. edition, um, she changed the names. And then she decided for her own her own healing, she was going to, in the second edition, she was going to tell all the real names. And just, right. people just have to get right. mad. And, you know, it's a hard decision because people are going to be angry. They're going to be in denial. But, look, this is what you chose to do to me. So yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to let you hide Pretend that they didn't do it, or they want to pretend that it doesn't matter when it clearly does matter. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I think it's hard. Um, like, like you know, Barbara and Cheryl was saying about the therapy. You have to be able to face those memories, and you have to have somebody you can talk to honestly about it, who's non-judgmental, which means no friends, no family, because people right. judge you. It's got to be somebody who's impartial, who can let you vent, let you tell those horrible stories about what you experience, the anger that you feel, and you've got to be able to express that anger without feeling guilty about it because the world is telling you, oh, yeah. you should feel love and joy and peace and harmony, oh, the birth of Christ. Yeah, that's nice, but I remember getting beat. Uh, that that's right, that's right. Yeah. Somebody's tool. Some, some kind of horrible thing, and that's, that's impressed in, in your mind. And nobody right. can tell you you feel that, you know, or this was right. the year that that, that 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 grandma died, and you know everybody's sad and crying, or this is the year that, you know, I burnt the turkey and people talked about me. I mean, whatever happened, you whatever know, you it have was, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to remember whatever it. Whatever it was, that's what's real for yeah. us, right? Yeah, that's that's the that's it's the memory that's getting real. Yeah. So that was very so hard for me when I was writing my book because part of the reason why it was so hard was I didn't even understand really at that time what had happened. Yeah. So it was almost like a detective story for me, trying to find out what actually happened in my family. You know, stuff that happened to me. Every time I would bring something up, then I'd get gaslit. You know, mm. people would... Mm-hmm. Oh, that doesn't happen or so long ago now that it doesn't matter. And it's very confusing, you know, because we're told that we have to love our parents. Are today, yes. So yeah, can you that's the that hardest. When when people when people gaslight you or you know treat you like oh well get over it that was long ago. Well, it's, it's your yeah, feeling. yeah. Validate your feeling. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, you don't have a right to still be hurt. Oh, that was so long ago. Right. Yes, but I'm still affected. You know, and they want you to just forget it because they don't want to deal with what they did. And, That's and right. So That's right. It's not... They don't want to deal with it, and they don't. They want to pretend that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the hardest thing. So then I don't know. Maybe maybe some of my sisters who who are in therapy, um, maybe they can explain what you do when you do look back on those childhood fears. What are your What do your therapists suggest when you're still going through that anger? And you might have people, either they've passed away, the people who really traumatized you or they're gone now, or they simply deny it ever happened, or uh-huh. they feel like they need to get over it. So, I don't know, Cheryl, what does your therapist say? <laughs> Did you well, that? That's a good well question. I have really question. had to deal with that kind of anger over the past yet, um, because I've, I've done a lot of self-examination. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. people talk about this whole thing about forgiveness. And let me tell you something. Forgiveness is not, and and I'm I'm hoping that someone, you know, I I can't even uh, attribute this because I just read this today. Someone says we shouldn't even think about forgiveness as much as letting go. I mean, you let go or you forgive that person, but you forgive that person for you. You forgive yes. them as in, I still wouldn't pee on you if your heart were on fire, but, oh, no. you know, mm-hmm. I don't care anymore. And you kind of have to move on because there are people who have profoundly hurt me in my life, and I forgave them years ago, but I never let them know it because it wasn't about them. It was about me holding that grudge and holding that hurt and that anger and that poisoning me and making me feel bad. So that's yeah. one of the things that I kind of learned from self-examination is that I don't think you could just say, you know, and I always say we've even done a show on are black people too quick to forgive because as soon as somebody walks into a church and murders your elderly uh family members, and the first thing is, oh, we forgive you. Well, he hasn't shown any remorse or any regret or anything. So why are you forgiving him and making it public? You can silently, because you haven't even had time to grieve and to be angry. That's right. That's right. No, I had a big problem with that because I thought, how can you say you forgive someone when he's just walked into your church and and killed a whole bunch of people? And it just seemed a bit too superficial because it needs to, you have to take time to process something before you can decide whether or not you're ready to forgive them. Yeah, you know, and I think the people who did that, they were trying to say, oh, we're we're good Christians and we forgive, you know, God forgives us. But they didn't realize the nation did not forgive that young man. And you're, you're, it's like not allowing other people to be angry about it. So, right, the right, right. Didn't care. And, and then the fact that he blatantly didn't care. You know, so ask for their forgiveness. He yeah. didn't care. He didn't care. He was so, proud of what he had done. Right. He was proud of what he had done. So I think they kind of do a disservice putting that forgiveness message out there so quickly. Yeah, Give I agree. I agree completely. But things. what you've just been saying is that forgiving someone is not about them. It's about you. 
Right. Now, how does that, I mean, I completely agree with you. It was too quick. To me, it was not thought out. To me, they didn't really have time to even process what had happened before they went straight into forgiveness. And to yeah. me, I personally don't think that that could work. But that's my opinion. But um, I would like to know, um, how do you think this affects us at Christmas time? Well, you know, well, I, you know I would like to speak to that uh, response. But also, Naima, I find you to be extremely insightful in noting the mm-hmm. fact that these people were so quick to say, oh, we heard, we forgive you. They want to appear to be doing the right thing, whether they felt yeah. it right then or not. Sometimes yeah. you do do the right thing before the feelings follow. But uh, this young man yeah. who had killed these people in this church, you know, we were all remembering that incident, uh, he didn't know that he had sent these folks to glory. These people are part of the martyrs that the Bible speaks about uh, in Revelation, this great cloud of witnesses who have been waiting and waiting for justice to be done on all people who've been jammed by all kinds of circumstances. But in dealing with the the total tone of forgiveness, I remember when I uh, was in therapy, one of the things that my therapist said to me was to let go of the unhealthy hold that you have uh, in this particular organization, these group of people. He said you need to experience the healing of not being so deeply attached that you cannot Move forward with your life. Uh, part of forgiving people, yeah, you get part of forgiving people is not whether or not they are repentant, not whether or not they are sorry, not whether or not they care. The forgiveness yeah, keeps you. Great. You do it for yourself. You don't do it for the other person. You're still ingesting hurt. Horror and animosity. This person has gone on, and but you're still, you know, engulfing that pain and and reacting to it. And until the forgiveness helps you to release that, you are still in bondage to that person, to whatever it was that hurt you so deeply. And part of forgiveness. Is letting go. It doesn't mean yeah. that what they did was right. It doesn't mean that you were a doormat. And it doesn't mean that you should let them do it again. You know, there, right. there are places where uh, there was these uh, adult women whose father had sexually molested them. And they had, they had grown up. They brought him to court. They had, you know, brought an injunction against him. And this man is denying it and saying they're lying and They're pointing out specific incidences, and this man is totally not changing, not admitting his wrongdoing. He's going to jail saying he's innocent, and uh, and his daughters had chosen to forgive this horrible act because otherwise they are not going to be able to get on with their lives and live with their families in a healthy manner. And I think sometimes... The holiday 
Yeah, and you can you can choose. You can choose. As an adult, we have more choices, but it's still not easy. It's, I remember when my dad was getting on, and he was saying to me, why don't you want to come and see me? Because my parents were living in Hawaii. Um, they both passed away in Hawaii. Um, and I just kept making excuses or being vague. I don't know what that noise is. <laughs> what was that noise? Yeah, I, I had to I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Anyway. I had to, anyway. There you are. Yeah, I, had to, I had to change phones. <laughs> yeah, so. All right, good. okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he was saying, well, why don't you want to come? Why do you want to come and see me? Why don't you want to come? And I just kept being very vague. And in the end, I said, you know, my mother's very abusive. And he said, yeah, that's true. And I said, and you should have protected me. Wow. And then we had a few of those conversations where I was just saying, you should have protected me, you should have protected me. And that was not an easy thing to go through. But it, was like, it took me ages to say what I really thought. Mm. Did he, did he, and that's did part he, of the healing, isn't it? We have to say what we really think. So did he ever address not protecting you, or did he have excuses, or, you know, what, what did he say? Well, what happened finally, I learned MVC, <laughs> nonviolent communication. Uh. And it really helped me in that situation because that's blaming. That's blaming and that's jackal speech, as we call it in NBC. And I love jackals because they're very beautiful because they're telling us what our unmet needs are. But jackals is things like blaming, labeling, um, judging, those kind of things. And we all do it. You know, we don't stop doing it just because we practice NBC. But the thing about jackal speech is that it drives us away from each other. It doesn't help in terms of resolving things. Although I think it's really important to be honest and be truthful, you know, it's not necessarily going to help the situation. So one day I said to him, um, what was going on in your life when all this was happening? And he told me. And when he told me, you know, it opened up communication that hadn't been there before. So um, I said to him, do you understand what it was like for me? Or can you imagine what it was like for me? And I was in a stage in my life where I was very, very vulnerable. You know, like most people are at certain ages, I was very vulnerable, particularly to do with my my um, appearance. Like, you know, you go through teenage years, and usually most people are very, very self-conscious about their appearance. And that's the time when I was having a lot of fat, shaming, all kinds of stuff, which, uh, to be honest, I don't really talk about. But um, I feel safe for you guys, so I'm telling you. Um, but, yeah, I went through that. And anyway, with NBC, Nonviolent Communication, I said to him, can you imagine what it was like for me? And he said, yes, I can. And that really helped. I mean, it's not a complete solution, but it definitely helped because at least we were communicating. And he yeah. was acknowledging my pain and not trying to pretend that it's something that was over and therefore I should get over it. Yes, and that's important. Yeah. And I guess people do that because they can't really handle it or they think that they can't handle it. That's it. They think they can't handle it, and they so they don't want you to deal with it. But you have yeah, to. Yeah, they would like you to go somewhere else, right? Like go live in a different country. So I'm just giving that as an example, okay? They want you to go somewhere else where they don't have to confront what was going on for them. Yeah. They can pretend it's just about you. 
Yes, that's really what you it know, is. You know, one time I said to my dad, um, I don't have a problem. We have a problem as a family. And he said, no, we don't have a problem as a family. You have a problem. Oh. Yeah, that was horrible. It's denial. You know, it's yeah, not denial, exactly, denial and gaslighting. I guess yeah. gaslighting is a form of denial, right? But yeah, that's um, it's gonna make you feel like you're the problem, not not whatever. Yeah, exactly. but, not with, but my family always treated me like yeah. I was the problem, and I knew I wasn't the problem. I had enough presence of mind to know that I was not the problem. We had a problem as a family, and I think yeah. you know, I do like sometimes communicate with those that passed on in different ways, and I do think now that he's he's realized that he shouldn't have treated me that way. Mm. I mean, I love my dad very much. Don't get me wrong. I loved him. But he, you know, was not that emotionally articulate. Like a lot of men, he wasn't really that emotionally articulate. But he could, in other ways, be really encouraging and really um, supportive and very caring. So I I have a lot of love for him. But, you know, it's not perfect because no family is perfect. No family is perfect, and I think every every family needs to realize that so they don't feel guilty if they don't fit the the model in the media of this perfect, right. happy, you know, beaver cleaver kind of family. I mean, it's just exactly. that doesn't exist. Yeah. Everybody's got some dysfunction because human beings are dysfunctional. That's just what this And I also is. think part of it is we have to realize that our parents are people. I think we don't yeah. even realize that yeah. until we become yeah. adults. Yeah. And realize that our parents, they did the best that they could with yeah. what they, they had. Yeah. You know, they they I were coming from a generation uh, back where people behaved a certain way to maintain their households. They passed that on because maybe they didn't get any other education moved into their yeah. lives to show how to deal with uh, family dynamics. And yeah. we have to on some level, forgive our parents for their short families. Because I'll tell you, yeah. every mom yeah. will say, gee, I wish I could have done that over, but too late now. So we all have things in our lives that we wish we could have done over, we wish we hadn't done, but we're human. Sure. We make I'm not convinced. Personally, I'm not convinced that that's I mean, always going to be the best I think a lot of people have. But I'm not convinced that that's always the case. I think there were times when I really was harsh, and I'm sorry that I spanked you too much. I And, you know, that has done loads of healing between us. And another thing that I find as a parent, it is good for a parent to tell their child they are sorry. Even when your kids yes, are it's young, important, I think. you know, our parents were never wrong. They were they were perfect, yeah. you know. They oh, never made them, a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and if you caught them in something that wasn't, you know, quite right, you were still the one that was in the wrong, you know. Yeah, that's all right. So, so yeah. I think it that's really helps. That's very similar to my upbringing. Oh, yes, <laughs> very similar. We make mistakes. Oh, I misjudged you. Oh, I'm sorry. I said that, did that, uh, allowed that. And even when they're young to make those amends. And when they're adults, if they're, I was listening to a program the other day where they said, is there something in your life that you maybe need to go back and tell your child you are sorry you did that? Mm. And it's never too late to do that and say, I was wrong, 
I'm sorry. And don't even make excuses like, oh, I was a young parent, I was stupid, I didn't know what I was doing, which may have been true. But to even admit on some level that you were wrong, you are sorry, please forgive me for the bad thing that I did. Yeah. And that's everybody not does. Everybody break. makes mistakes, right? Everybody makes mistakes. We gotta take another break, Jana. Uh, Barbara, are you able to stay with us, or you do have to leave? Cause I know you, you're getting ready for your party tonight. Are you able to stay with us for the next hour, or do you have to go? I'll I'll stay for like 30 minutes. Okay, thank you so much. All right, thank well, Jana, we're gonna you, take yeah. another break, and then we'll, when we come back, uh, maybe we can talk about parents being able to face. If you're a parent today, how do you face when your children tell you that you did some things wrong? Can you? Can you remember, can you accept it? And that's that's a real challenge. So we'll, we'll come back and talk about that uh, after this break. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, you can give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak. And if you're watching us live on Facebook or YouTube, The Female Solution, just write in your comments, and we will share them with our listening and viewing audience. We have our host, Jana, live from London. And she's talking to three black moms about holiday horrors. We all had them. We'll be right back, so stay with us. Hi, I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, we're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week sharing our successes and our mistakes as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and, of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it all, race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to use corporal punishment to how do you teach your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness sessions on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the Mindfulness Slash Stress Relief Coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the Mindfulness Moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of Mindfulness on Higher Learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening.
Thomas Joy. And I'm Reverend Rosemary. Join us every second Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time, here on the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show for Neighborship of Joy. We'll have powerful conversations inviting women to walk in the light. So call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak to the host. You can also join us live on the Female Solution Facebook page and YouTube channel. See you on the second Saturday on the Neighborship of Joy. have loads of, of experience and expertise in this subject, I know. I'm just going to read a little bit from, this is a this is a blog called carolinepenny.co.uk, it's an article, sorry, not a blog. Caroline Penny is all one word, and she says, the Christmas holidays can be stressful, the relatives, food to prepare and organize, cold weather, presents to buy, Packing the car, driving around the country, cold weather, she says again. <laughs> it's really cold here in London. I'm just going to mention that briefly. It's horrible because I hate the cold. But anyway, carrying on. And now even endless Brexit conversations and arguments. It's not surprising that many people feel overwhelmed and exhausted, and somehow the Christmas message gets completely lost. Here are a few ideas to help manage stress over this intense period. And one of the things that she says is, imagine yourself like a bottle full up of all these different things. So say, for example, couldn't find my key to the car. I feel frustrated. The battery in my phone was flat. I feel annoyed. They sent the wrong Christmas present. I feel angry. My children made me late for work because they weren't ready. Fuming. The train was delayed, exhausted, I will never have time to write my Christmas card. So I see you guys are not the only ones who don't have time to write your Christmas card. So she says, imagine that you're a bottle and you're full up with these emotions, right? You're full up with these emotions. Um, And she suggests this technique where you um, let the feelings out slowly, during the day. Well, there's a choice between doing that and or else the cork pops out and you explode with fury and kind of ruin the day for yourself and everybody else. Everybody else. So see, she says, for example, imagine your thermometer. If you're red hot at 100 degrees, then you'll respond in an unthoughtful way. And it makes much more sense to respond in a calm way when you can when your own thermometer has gone down to 50 degrees. 
this can stop situations escalating in unhelpful ways. So tell me about a time when you were angry during the holiday season. It doesn't have to be Christmas, but it can be. Um, tell me a time, about a time when you were angry and how you dealt with it. Wow. Oh, I had a most recent one. Uh, <laughs> just when you think you have a corner on keeping your anger at bay, yeah. uh, oh. my husband came to me uh, with a charge on our credit card from this company uh, that I hadn't bought anything from. Uh, oh. Without naming the name of the company, they had uh, sent me and my mother-in-law an order of fruit that was all rotted. I guess they were trying to get rid of it. I was so mad. You know, I called them up. Uh, They were very sorry. They gave me a fresh order. But at the same time, they tried to sell me a pie. And I'm like, wait, uh, the way the woman talked to me. You just sent me the wrong order. What are you doing? I'm trying to sell me something else for. Which is that's how I avoid getting to the point where my blood is boiling, right? I just make a complaint. Mm-hmm. But if I make a complaint, it's not my problem anymore. It's somebody else's problem to deal with. But because mm-hmm. they kept not, not telling me what I need to do to make a complaint, I just got angrier and angrier and angrier. 
and angry. It was awful. I can't remember the last time I felt like that. And I would prefer not to feel like that again. But I didn't. I don't think I realized until now, until then that that was actually my strategy for not getting to that point where I just, you know, I wouldn't say yeah. I want to kill someone, but I'm getting close to it. Put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So can see the thing is, I think that at Christmas time, all these things get exaggerated even more. Yeah. Um, so much is riding on it, you know. So much is riding on having this perfect Christmas and everybody being happy that um, th- these emotions become even more intense. What do you think, three black do. moms? What it, do you it think? Become more intense, and you know, I, I always really feel bad when I lose my temper. I'm like I'm like our father. He's pleasant, kind all the time, generous. But he has a boiling point, and right. when he exploded, it was like a volcano erupting. And Get I, the way. I tend to be the same way, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, peaceful, kind. But then something happens to trigger that rage, and yes, it just explodes. Yes, you get triggered. It's yes. like my dogs become unhinged. I got things coming out that I can't <laughs> take back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it always makes me feel bad. It's like, oh, no, I, you know, I, think I'm this spiritually evolved person and I did it again, you know, I just ruined everything. So I try not to get to that boiling point, but sometimes you don't know it's going to happen. You don't know what's under the surface that you really haven't dealt with that you're angry yeah, about. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it could be unconscious. So then unconscious. what advice would you give to someone who's actually experiencing that at Christmas or any holiday period? Because like I said, I think that when it's the holidays, things get that much more intense because there's so much pressure. There's a lot of pressure, and there there's social pressure to be happy. And and mm. around these, you're not expected to cuss people out and all. That. Well, <laughs> you know, really? no, what you, you, can, you can you, you can recognize. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can start to recognize when you're starting to feel bad. Yeah. You know, most yeah. Of Acknowledge your own feelings. Yeah, and you have to be aware of, okay, this is tensing me up. Mm-hmm. Because it usually starts with tension. Maybe you're at a Walmart or some other cheap store and somebody asks you to check your uh-huh. Yeah. Or, Wait, wait a minute. Or, or they or, you know, like stuff. a rainbow, and you're telling them, look, if I'm going to steal, I'm not stealing this raggedy stuff. I'm going to go somewhere where the stuff is, is worth stealing. So it may be that kind of microaggression. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of microaggression or disrespect, or you go somewhere where they've locked up all the products. They do that at Target now. Mm. And, and so you have to go and find someone because you want a stick of deodorant. And you can realize... <laughs> You know what? I can either explode at the person when they finally show up, mm. or I can take my business elsewhere. Yeah. Just walk away. And walk away. And, and, walk and away. You get into later, with what, what Sarah and I always uh, joke about, a strongly worded letter, but whatever it takes to say, you know, this is disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I got, many years ago when I lived in New York, I got accused of stealing something or trying to steal, trying to steal something from Woolworths, right? Have you ever been to Woolworths? I mean, 
There's nothing in there. I mean, I know this, it doesn't exist anymore, but there was nothing in there worth stealing anyway.
and and I don't remember the words that I said, but I know I snapped because I felt like, why did you show up angry? You didn't show up to say, well, let me help you. You show up to find out what I didn't do right. You know, that's how I right, felt, you right. know. And so it's those kinds of things where, you know, it comes back to, to feeling like someone's trying to make you be, feel inadequate, which, you know, all of those things are, are early childhood I memories. Guess. You know, wait, made, when whenever something happened and you were criticized, made to feel bad, made to feel inadequate, and, you know, even publicly humiliated if other people were around. And when someone triggers a memory of a bad feeling, you respond uh, with an extreme response, even though the yeah. thing they done was little, but it symbolized all of those bad feelings that you That's had. Right. That's right. Yeah. And that's they the thing about dealing with the holiday that. season. A lot of the emotions that we feel, especially the difficult ones, are to do with what's happened in the past. That's why we get yes. triggered. Yes. Yes. So. What advice yeah, yeah. would you give someone who's going through something similar? They're at the dinner table, right? They're with their loving family, and somebody says something that triggers them. What should they do? I think now, um, I don't know, and, and you all may, may handle it differently. I think now I'm at the stage where I try to be the peacemaker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was going to say you were the peacemaker. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I've arrived at that because I used to be the exploder. But now, <laughs> now I, I have I'm, no idea what that's like. <laughs> Being the exploder. Totally outside of my experience. But anyway, carry on. But you know, this was this was a lot of work on myself, like Sherwood said, you gotta you gotta work on yourself. Um I think in that situation I would I would try to avert the, the conversation, bring it back to a level of peace, maybe talk redirect. about something. Yeah, redirect. You know, because mm-hmm. you know this person is angry. And you know that person's anger will it will change the whole mood of everything and make everybody right. feel bad and you don't want the gathering to be destroyed and then you plant the memory of sadness and anger and fear in everybody. And if it's someplace where children are there, they remember that. And yeah. oh, they yeah. carry that on. So you want you want things to end in a peaceful note, which means Diffusing the situation because I've, I've been at family gatherings where fights broke out, and scary. Oh, you know, somebody gets mad, somebody starts arguing, somebody had a little too much to drink, and next thing you know, there's a physical encounter, and those things never end well. So, you know, when fights break out at parties, you please, need to grab your person. You know what? I've even told Sarah that I said, you know what? Even if the vibe is off, I don't care if you just paid plump down $20, you know, for a cover charge and the vibe feels off, it's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's not that easy sometimes in family no. situations. Now, Exactly. I think family situations are the most difficult, really. I'm the one that that will tend to, like, call it out or or even maybe jokingly call it out, like, okay, that was awkward and kind of mean, you know. The sex abuse of sarcasm, yeah. Yeah, you know what? You need sometimes you really do need to name it because people will say things because they are not confronted with what they say, and they will say mean things, and people will say, so if you say, well, you know, well, that was awful, that was hurtful, or 
or or I'll say, oh, that wasn't at all awkward or hurtful. You know, right. because everybody can laugh, but you have also put that person on notice. Yeah, we saw that. that. We saw what you did. You saw yeah, exactly. We saw like it. That. We saw what you did. Yeah, yeah. And, and then sometimes, as well, you know, the other side of it is that I think sometimes people who are awkward, not that I've ever been awkward, mind you, but sometimes people are awkward because they're in so much pain themselves. Yes. You know, because people they're hurting. And, and actually the person who starts something or tries to make other people feel bad that is the person that's going through something. They feel bad about themselves, and they think yeah. if they make others feel bad about themselves, then they'll feel better about themselves. So that's the yes, that's right. And I think a lot of times those kind of behaviors are unconscious. But yeah. like I said, I'm not convinced that people are always trying to do their best. Maybe they are. Maybe yeah. they are, but that's not how I necessarily experience it, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes it's unconscious. But like Cheryl was saying, sometimes you got to call it out because you know they did it on purpose, mm-hmm. and, and, and they meant to hurt you, you know, because whatever whatever satisfaction they got out of doing it. And, and yeah, well, I was just looking at Cheryl who was just saying that um, it's because if they, if they make you feel bad about yourself, they'll feel better about themselves. Yeah, yeah. They feel like they can make you feel bad, just like, you know, you're trying to enjoy the meal, and then somebody makes some kind of nasty remark about your weight or something like that, you know, and you want to smack them because they said that on purpose, but then they got some kind of problem that they're not dealing with, so they think if they say something about you, then you'll, you know, they'll feel better about whatever their That's issues right. they're going with. They just got divorced right. or whatever. Does that ever work? Yeah. Does that ever work? Does it, making somebody else feel bad make you feel better? Of course not. It never works. But people think it will, and that's why they do it. Yes. People think it will. And some of us are a bit slower to learn than others of us. So we just right. keep repeating these behaviors, yeah? Keep, keep doing the same thing the same way and expecting different results. we got to take one last break. Barbara, do you have to leave us now? Uh, yes, I have to leave you now. I must deliver my hey, cookies. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for joining us. for my Christmas dinner. <laughs> well, have fun. Thank Have you. Fun. Don't, don't cut anybody out. It's been a pleasure out. being here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to have you on again, definitely. Yes. Well, and, and Jonna, for those who are watching, she she showed us on screen all her cookies and everything. She does this with these gingerbread cookies. Oh, right. I probably won't be able to eat anymore because, you know, I'm trying to not over-sugar myself. But, I know yeah. that's right. <laughs> but they're really delicious. My friends have said she needs to she needs to uh, put them on the market because they really are good. <laughs> that's so. too much work. I yeah, know. That's a lot of work. It's like I only do this once a year, so yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> Doing it every day, that's not your ambition, huh? I understand. No, no, <laughs> Then it becomes a job. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back, Jana. And if you are watching on our YouTube or Facebook channel, The Female Solution, feel free to write in your comments and tell us about your holiday horrors and maybe some things that you're planning to do differently this year. And, of course, if you're uh, listening online and want to join this conversation, you can give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1. And we'll be right back after this brief message, so stay with us. Thank you. 
Fatima. We're three black moms. And in case you didn't notice the resemblance, we're also three sisters. We're going to be coming to you every week sharing our successes and our mistakes as we navigate our lives as moms, wives, sisters, daughters, and of course, black women in today's world. We'll talk about it all. Race, politics, religion, economics, culture, and we'll take a look at everything from whether or not to use corporal punishment to how do you teach your children about sex. Look for our upcoming book, Growing Up Charles. It's a personal story about our lives growing up in Maple Park on Chicago's South Side. I'm Barbara. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Naima. We're Three Black Moms. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Three Black Moms. In to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life and there is hope in the darkest hours. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com, where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. Article on the BBC's website. As we enter the holiday season, 
many of us will be stealing ourselves for potential tension and argument. Whether it's quiet disapproval over the quality of the cooking, a simmering resentment over alleged favoritism, or a fierce argument about our political and social values, family gatherings often bring out the worst in us. A really common consequence of estrangement is feeling isolated, in addition to feelings of shame and being judged, says Lucy Blake, a developmental psychologist at the University of West England and author of the forthcoming book, No Family is Perfect, A Guide to Embracing the Messy Reality. This is a book I think that the world family needs to read. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So three black moms. The two black moms we've still got with us, Naima and Cheryl. Yeah. Um, have, have either of you experienced family estrangement or isolation or both over the holiday season? Well, um, I'm gonna family be- arguments often arise from clashing interpretations of the past, which even the slightest offhand comment can then bring to, to the fore. And unlike friendships outside the clan, the emotional stakes are extraordinarily high. Now, I agree with that because um, I can remember some family holidays where it just seemed like the whole thing was a battleground, and it was extremely difficult sometimes. And, and there's also this sense of being with your family that you're kind of trapped there. You can't get out of the situation because you're trapped there. Have you ever experienced that? Yes. I got a story, but I'm going to sure go first if she'd like to talk about that. Well, you know, it's interesting because that made me think, Jana, about when I was single and living in California, okay. and I couldn't always come home. And mm. I remember talking later, years later, about uh, to to uh, a friend who was also talking about, you know, being invited to other people's houses for Christmas, and sometimes it's nice, but, you know, you get this tiny little present, and you really feel like you're intruding on their their uh, Christmas, the, you know, even if they were friends of yours or whatever, but you felt like, okay, I'm not really a part of this. And so mm. that was isolating. And when I was, and then when I, when I was still single and I couldn't go home all the time for Christmas, I would do, and it sounds really pathetic, but it really wasn't because I would always get, the, I always had my own tree. I still got a tree. And I would, you know, because most of the time, you know, I, I was in newspaper, so somebody had to work because the next day somebody wanted their their morning paper. So I yeah. always volunteered to work on the holidays so people who had families could be with their families. So I would get up on Christmas morning, you know, and if I had to work that day, I wouldn't open my presents until later on that day. So I would have something to look forward to, you know, and, right, and I know it's right. really sad pathetic, but <laughs> really, it it's really not, was. It's not because you were doing what you could to celebrate the holiday, yes, you know, making the best of the situation was very myself. creative, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard when you're when you're single, and this yeah. is the holiday about family, and, uh, you know, it it's, you never really know 
uh, especially like if you leave, if you lose a loved one. And, and I've had the experience of being widowed, and mm. you know, you don't know how your your in laws, you know, are going to still be able to receive you as part of the family and all of that. Mm. You know, you don't know if things will be the same. One thing I'm, I'm grateful for um, the Thanksgiving because my husband passed away in October, and then we all got mm. together and celebrated Thanksgiving at my brother-in-law's, because he would usually have the Thanksgiving dinner and everything. Um, and I, I'm just going to talk about because, you know, this is what it is. It wasn't this October, though. It, it wasn't was, this October. It was it was like, like 15 years ago. But that first Thanksgiving after he passed, it was really joyful because we sat around and we remembered little things about him. It was a little funny, little dance. Oh, and all kind of stuff. So it was really, it was a healing moment for all of us, just, you know, Ooh. remembering him about stuff he did and everything. So it was really joyful. And so I was glad that our family ties were still there. And But then over the years, some members of my husband's family have become very angry with me. And so this year, yeah, you know, for various reasons. um, And I know it's a point where I'll have to probably be the one to reach out to them and heal the hurt because they've got – things that they're upset about, but this year my daughter was invited to the Thanksgiving dinner and I was not, which was fine because I know they know oh, I have to, wow. you know, my mother, but at the same time, there's that feeling of, okay, maybe there's a separation going on now, and, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to get to that point of the unity that we had when he was here, hmm. everybody gathered, and you know, we had joy and all of that. And it was, you know, I mean, we have good memories, and it was fun and, and everything. But then things change, people change, attitudes yeah. change. And if, if, you're, if you've got a family where certain members hold grudges, you can you can have years apart before you can ever really heal the hurt and talk about it. And when you have family members who won't talk about things, they just give you the silent treatment, then uh. you have to let that relationship go, which is terrible, because then, you know, then you don't get together until somebody dies, and that's not good. So I'm the, I'm the person now who will reach out and decide to address it when I feel like it's time, because I know emotionally right, they can't. Right. But but that was then that was this year that it was you know okay, Zakia's invited, nobody invited you. All right, I said okay, I'm just gonna let it go. I'm just gonna decide that they just, in respect to me having to take care of my mother, they, they know I'll have to be here with her. But, you know, the invitation could have been extended. And, and then let me say, well, I'd like to go, but I can't because i got to be here with my mother. Right. But they didn't. Right. And, and I well, felt it still that. Hurt. It still hurts. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's and then other things that happened, like gatherings where I wasn't invited because they were mad. And, and But, you know, my mother recently celebrated her 100th birthday, and I invited everybody. I invited, you know, the in-laws and you know, right. and, and everybody in our family, cousins, everybody uh, on both sides. You know, um, I mean, it was supposed to be everybody who's connected to our family. I wanted them to celebrate her, 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 um, her hundredth birthday. But now yeah. this yeah. also happened. One family member who drinks and then becomes unpleasant. When they came and brought liquor, I asked them not to drink. And they became so angry, they stopped speaking to me. They hadn't spoken to me since that party, which is in May. 
And wow. they were But I felt like this is my mother's 100th birthday. I want her to feel joy. I want her to feel happiness. Yes. I want her to feel love. I don't want anybody to create a memory of pain because they decide to drink and then they become that other person that fights or says inappropriate things. I don't want her to experience that. You know. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Do you think that this um, conflict could have been avoided or prevented? Prevented, I mean, prevented. You no, know, I, I said it. I said it privately, and I said it as gently as I could. I said, "We love you when you're sober. Uh, we please don't drink." And and they were angry and stormed out, left. You know, and uh, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I didn't say don't come. I didn't say you know don't be here. I just we don't want that other person to come out, you know? And yeah, yeah, I know. But if you're not ready to admit that you have a problem, it doesn't matter how gentle they are with you. Yeah. You know, it's very so sad when that happens, but it happens all the time. So, um, so right. let me ask you another question, Naima. So when did you actually say this to them? That person and how that person is going to act or say something inappropriate, and, I, you know, yeah. and then other people who would be offended, and it could get into a whole thing. Right. So mm. if the choice is between someone who does not know how to hold their liquor, uh, uh, getting angry and storming out, or you not being able to enjoy this, that we had, we had planned for this. We were like six months at least. Yeah. I mean, people came from all over the country, like Barbara mentioned. She got she got family Australia. The grandchildren from Australia right, came right. from China. You know, I mean, this is a big deal. I didn't want anybody yeah, to blow it by drunk. So. And, and not everybody it's, gets to be a hundred anyway, so it's a very big deal. Yeah, I mean, the mayor called to wish her a happy birthday. I mean, it was a big deal, you know. So I didn't yeah. I didn't want that to be blown. You know, I didn't want it to be ruined. I wanted her to have that joy and. Just the, feeling the love of all the family and everything, of and course, one of person can ruin a, a whole gathering oh, yeah. if they're not in their right mind because they get inebriated. And I'm sorry, like like Cheryl said, I mean, I had a choice: either I could be relaxed and enjoy the party, or I'd be on pins and needles hoping that they didn't. Yeah, that's right. And you you have nothing to be sorry about. You should not be sorry in that situation. You were looking after your mother, and you wanted her to have the best possible time she could have. Yes, yes. So, um, so did you hear what I, what I asked you before? You may not have heard me, but when did you actually say this to this person? Uh, when did I say it? Well, they came, yeah. you know, greeted my mother and everything, and then they said, oh, I brought, you know, a bottle of champagne or whatever, you know, and mm. and see, my mother's not a drinker. She's, you know, she's not a drinker. Because we have a whole family where all of the men drink, you know, on both sides, right, father's side, right. side. So what she experienced, she chose not to ever drink. And I understand why. So sure. that's not a thing she would have wanted to be, you know, circulated or encouraged. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask you this heard. question now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what we had, like, a lot of sort of advice that we've been given that I've been reading from today. It talks about planning things in advance. Mm. I'm just yeah, wondering Yeah, now one family member said maybe, maybe on the invitations I should have said no alcohol, and we didn't think of that because yeah, we don't drink. something similar, yeah. yeah. Or, or just yeah. had a word with that person if you thought that was best. What do you yeah. think? Do you think that would have made a difference? 
Maybe. I don't know because I don't know how, you know, and I had to really reflect on this. Okay. Some people don't feel comfortable in social situations unless they drink. So drinking yes, becomes. I agree, but I, to me, to, to be honest, from my point of view, that's their problem. Yeah. Yes, it is. But, I mean, I wasn't brought up in a situation where there was a lot of alcohol. You know, there was occasional alcohol on a special occasion or something like that, but it wasn't a big thing. So yeah. I never really had to deal with that kind of problem in my family. We had enough other problems. We didn't have that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know sometimes people feel awkward in, in um social situations if they don't have a drink in their hand. But for me personally, I think that that's a matter for them. Yeah, uh, you know, because you can't fix other people's problems. And you really can't. It's not your responsibility to cater to it either. You know, well, I yeah, mean, that's especially if the person is a problem. Why, why, why do I, why don't, you know, why am I feeling insecure or or uncomfortable unless I have some help, <laughs> you know, some biochemical yeah. help? change my, alter my brain chemistry so I can relax and feel normal and comfortable and confident. Why do I need this this assistance to do that? They got to they gotta really, you know, examine themselves for that. But the yeah, thing that's is right, that's, that's their job. And, and in Britain, we have a big problem with binge drinking where people will go out and they will, um, I mean, I have a friend who decided she never wanted to drink because there were so many young women, this is many years ago, but there's so many young women around who were going out and, and getting fallen down drunk and endangering themselves because there are men who will take advantage of them in that situation. And so she just decided never to drink, and she never has. Because mm-hmm. she, she, she saw it. She saw, you know, this public drunkenness. We have a big problem with binge drinking. And then from what I've been told, they have the same problem in Scandinavia. Scandinavian countries were constantly being told are some of the happiest places on earth. Mm-hmm. But what we're not always told is that they have a big drinking problem. And a oh. lot of it is binge drinking. And I'm one, I wonder if that is to do with the um, the Norsemen and their blood because it's a, a big, big issue sometimes. Well, you know, alcoholism is something that it, it can become hereditary. Uh, you you are actually, everything in your body, you're the cells in your body, when you, both male and female, the male who impregnates the, the woman who carries the eggs, the cells in your body have a, have a memory of all of your experiences just like diabetes can tend to run in families unless you consciously change your diet and alter your body chemistry, what the memory in your cells, your propensity to certain things, you will repeat that pattern. So Right, right. So that's why you see generations of families of alcoholism. And you, you have to really choose to change your your genetic structure if you don't want to pass it down. The tendency right. Uh, alcohol dependent, you know, drug dependent. You have to, you have to radically change your lifestyle, your habits, because that is in your blood, that's in your genes, that's in your the cells in your body, your cellular memory, and people have to make that choice. Especially if you yeah. had vivid memories of people having substance abuse problems in your family, you have to make a radical choice to end yeah. that family 
dynamic. And that's that means that's just right. Not, not everybody's clean. ready to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard to yeah. completely change your brain chemistry, change your body's chemistry. It's doable, but it's not easy. Yeah, because part of it is that any kind of any kind of addictive behavior starts with the emotions. You're trying to heal emotional pain, which is right. you know, what we started talking about when you look at holidays. And if you've had sad childhood memories, painful childhood memories, and you're trying to Drown the the sadness. Well, you know, if you don't have some other means, you know, spiritual or whatever, that you can you can generate your own inner joy, then you're gonna look for some help. It might That's come in right. the form of alcohol, might come in the form of drugs, might come in the forms of food, might come in the forms of illicit sex with you know all kinds yeah. of people. Cause Gambling. There's so many ways that we try to numb the pain, and when you're a child you can be very, very overwhelmed by these feelings. And a lot of these patterns, as I keep saying, originate in childhood. Yes, that's exactly where they come from. So sometimes you have to really go back and, and uh, like, you know, Sherlyn Barber was saying about therapy, you have to be able mm. to talk about and examine your childhood without feelings of guilt or shame, but just look at what happened, look at how it made you feel and be able yeah. to admit it and express it and talk about it and vent and say what you feel and yeah. and then be able to, to forgive yourself for whatever mistakes you made, uh, forgive the people who did the best they knew how, and then move forward. Because every time you go back in time in your mind, you're reliving that same experience and all the yeah. biochemical responses that it creates in your body. Why do you want to keep doing that to yourself? Your own thoughts are making you sick. So you have to you have to choose to do that. And then sometimes as as parents, we have to realize when we've maybe done some things and our children are struggling to try to overcome it, and we have to be able to admit to them, I made mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes it was a reaction to trying to not experience what I experienced as a child. Sometimes it was a, a repeat of what I unconsciously got programmed to do as a child. But yeah. if your children are able to come to you and tell you that you hurt them in some way, don't gaslight them. Don't say, oh, just get over it. Oh, forget that. Oh, you just didn't remember it right. No, listen to them and admit that you did some things you didn't know any better and say you're sorry. Yeah, yeah well, I agree with all of that in principle, but I also know it's not that easy because a lot of, um, a lot of that stuff is unconscious. And this is one of the things I'm trying to talk about today is things that are often unconscious. We, we we really can't deal with them because we don't even necessarily know what's going on. So we need to become more more uh, more conscious, more aware. And there are ways, there are methods to do that. Yes, you absolutely. Know, it's not impossible, but nor is it not easy. Absolutely. Well, Jana, I know we've got to go. Uh, Cheryl, one last word. Uh, oh, really? got about wow. That went really quickly. Did you feel like it went really quickly? Yes. And, I know. And, and you know what? Enjoy the holiday and make sure you take time out to take a nap or de-stress or do whatever it takes so that you have that happy memory. 
There you go. Yeah, excellent advice. That is excellent advice. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much to Naima and to my guests, my other guests, the three black moms. And it's been entertaining and informative as always. And yes, next year. Yes, see you next year on the first Saturday of January. Enjoy the holiday season, and I'll see you next year. All right. And you can also hear today's show on the theme. Or phone me because I've got a new phone and I don't have your number anymore. So can you phone me or text me, please? Thank you, everybody, and have a wonderful holiday. Me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows. Listen to our radio shows. Order our books. And be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujon, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.